All right, ladies, so we are dedicating this class, Le'ilo Nishmas. Shokat Bas Meir Gershon Alevi. Shokat Bas Meir Gershon Alevi. May her have an aliyah. And here we are, Ayasha uh, Koyach, Mrs. Leah, and to all of the people that are participating. So last week we gave an intro, and I think it's much better to go straight into people's questions. To uh, just repeat the question, and then to share to the best of my ability, the correct answer. Okay, so the first question is, does milk need to be marked kosher for Pesach? Being that we have an hour, I want to give you a little bit of a long-winded answer. And the answer is like this. If a cow were to consume chametz on Pesach, believe it or not, the milk that the cow would produce, and subsequently any other products that come from that milk, is really problematic. Wow. And therefore, prior to the modern age, when people that would buy milk would actually buy milk, today you don't know if you're buying milk or not, and they would actually buy milk that was just milked because there was no refrigeration. When you bought milk, it was milk today or yesterday. People needed to be a lot more concerned with kosher le Pesach milk, which would have meant, the ikir, that the cow only ate food for the cow, like hay, and not grain, not something that animals could eat. They are expensive. People don't serve them purposefully. That would be a problem. That's the main issue with milk, before I come back to answer the question right now. And then you have secondary issues. Secondary issues are that even when there's no problem with the milk, the milk is being placed in a container. And I know that it's cold. I know that. But remember that halachically, when liquid is in something for 24 hours or more, like if this would be wine, even though it's cold, and it would be in a becher for 24 hours or more, which happens regularly, even though we drink the cup, even people that have beautifully clean homes, happens that until you have the cleaning day, you're gonna scrub the bottom of the becher, you're gonna have some residue of the wine. That gets absorbed in the walls of the becher. Now I know there's nothing wrong with wine, I'm not talking about wine, I'm talking about utensils. We're living in a world of luxury, and uh, our grandparents did not have that. The amount of, forget about disposable, even the amount of real kalim, no one had that. You had two or three pots. When you're wealthy, that was a dowry. So, it, you know, the big jugs that I grew up with, that we actually, I grew up and we milked the cow. Someone milked the cow, they brought it to our home, we used to pasteurize it in these canisters. I'm certain that if a person was impoverished, they would use that canister to store other items, which could be chametz, could be beer, it could be they used it to store macaroni with cheese or who knows what. So there's also an issue where are the kalim that's being used for the milk, were they previously used for chametz, even if it was cold, if it was moist for 24 hours, it absorbs the taste. And then when you put the milk in there and you keep it in there for 24 hours or more, it will expel some of the taste. These are the two issues. The main issue is cow eating chametz. Second issue is kalim. Now, let me address both of these issues. The milk that we buy today, the, the Chal of Yisrael milk, for good or bad, the milk that you bought right now was not milked today, it was not milked yesterday, it was probably not even milked a week ago. It's older milk. Now, you have to be on top of that, because it could be LA already has local milk. I, when I know that a while back, the milk was imported, and all of the kosher Chal of Yisrael companies in New York, they got their own place and everyone is using it one day for J&J and one day for this and one day for that, which is great. They don't have to kosher it from Chal for people who keep Chal of Yisrael. But to my knowledge, the milk that we buy right here, right here was zikr not milked on Pesach. You have nothing to be concerned about as far as the main problem. There was no chametz in the milk. Yet still, the utensils that are being used for the milk, and I know these are milk farms, so you know, today it's a clean world, they're using it for milk. I would just say the reason why they will mark on the container kosher for Pesach is because there are times, there are places where the same factory and the same machines that are being used Tuesday for milk could be they were used Monday for something that's not kosher for Pesach. And if that were to be the case, it doesn't matter as long as they kosher the kalim. And that would be the meaning of the mark Yes, kosher le Pesach. Bottom line to the answer is, yes, make sure that you have on the packet kosher for Pesach. I'm certain you'll find it there. I just want to explain to you that the primary worry no longer is existent. The secondary reason might not even be relevant, but still, since there used to be issues, people want to see that mark. 
Question number two is kumin kitniyot. So first of all, let's just remember that um, kitniyot is a minig that Ashkenazim don't eat. Just to put things in context. Sfardim have it, and you should have it. You should have kumin. I want to tell you something. That kitniyot is an example of what happened to the Jewish people because of Golos. If not for Golos, the Ashkenazim wouldn't have had question marks on the meaning of certain words. I have no doubt that part of the redemption will be that Ashkenazim will eat kidneys. It has to be that way. We're not, unless, unless we, God forbid, want to stay in Golos. We're holding on to it. So for all you Sfardim, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing what we, everyone is going to end up doing. Having said that, right now, we are bound by the Menhagim of Ashkenaz, we meaning Ashkenazim, we don't have kidneys, but it's a minic. I'm not minimizing it, but let me go ahead and quickly read a list. Again, if I would be rushing, I don't have that many questions. I would say that kumin is not kidneys. But one second, let me just read a list. The OU, and it's really worth it to look at the OU list. They are amazing. The OU writes, what is kidneys? Beans, buckwheat, caraway. I don't know what that is, but I'm reading the list. Cardet. I don't, I don't know this. I don't know that. So for me, okay. Cardamon, corn. Corn is kidneys. What is? Corn. I always knew that, but Stam, I'm saying corn is a. Edamami. Edamami is the soybean. Good. Fennel seeds. flax seed, Lin seed. Green beans. Hemp seeds. For all you marijuana smokers, be careful. Kidney is, kidney is, it's good. I'm saying, right. You guys are saying, no, 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 I'm saying yes. Yes, okay, okay, good, good, good. Lentils, millet, mustard, peas, poppy seeds. Now we're really getting into fun stuff. What is that? That's um, Poppy seeds is a surprising one. That's the real drugs, whatever that's called. That's, ooh, opium, now we're talking. It's kidney is, on Pesach, the minig is not to have all that. Okay, seed, rice, finally, sesame seeds, sorghum seeds, soya beans, sunflower seeds, and teff. Now, the following are not considered kidneys. One second. But, but they may require special checking. That's a, that's a good answer. And, and, and by the way, kumin is going to be, well, let me just read it. Anise, carob, chia seeds, coriander, cottonseed, cumin, which was the question, guar gum, locust bean gum, safflower, and saffron. That's what they write over here. They didn't write quinoa because over the years there was a debate, we accept, we chabad, that it's not kidneys. But one second, they write very good. They write, it may require special checking. In other words, this product in itself is not problematic, even for Ashkenazim. But many manufacturer plants will make this and that the that might be chametz. Mamish, chametz, not chametz. It might be grains. Now, if you have a little bit of a grain mixed in your cumin, and then you put it into a pot, and then 18 minutes go by, or less, you got yourself a problem of creating chametz and eating it on Pesach. So that's a very good, uh, just a, approach, that the question is not, is this kidneyous or not? Well, obviously, if it's kidneyous, then Ashkenazim should not eat it. But the question always goes beyond it. Like I said with the milk, the milk is not chametz. The milk that we're drinking was not made on Pesach, but it might have been made with other products, which halachically there is a problem. Now, I'm sure I, I just read off the list of the OU online, Passover 2023. I just typed in cumin because I always, when people ask on the chat, that's what I do. I don't know. I don't know what you don't know. I also don't know. I just know where to look. And you have all these lists. And, you know, some people, Robin Nathanson, no, that's his field. I hope to know today's Rambam, that I think I know. I'm saying all of these kashos questions, some of them I know, some of them I look up, like the OU is a great resource. And basically, when you buy cumin, make sure either it's on their list that you don't need to have a hechsher on it, or they're going to write that if you're buying it here, you have to have a hechsher. Another general approach from the OU that I learned over many years, that we do differentiate, I'm giving you a rule not to apply it, but the premise that products that are made in the Western world are considered, they are cleaner, it's more trustworthy, and that will have many halachic implications. I'll give you one example, 100% honey. So the OU already decided years back that if 100% honey is made in these United States, you can buy it without a hechsher. 
If 100% honey is coming made in China, you may not buy it without a hechsher. You mean for Pesach? No, it's, it's good to have that. In other words, when the, the issue when, when you're buying food that was made someplace else is always twofold. That's what I'm trying to communicate. Whether this food is chametz or this food is kidneys or this food is problematic. And even if it's not, it can still be a problem, a real problem, because it was made with something else. Chabad, we don't have garlic. Because they used to put grain on garlic. Or for the people that don't have sugar, no one ever said that garlic is kidneys or chametz. It's not. Sugar is not kidneys, not not. I'm not saying that people have to keep this minute right now, right now. I'm not going in there right now. I'm just saying that, remember, this, like always, these two angles. Is the food problematic? And even if it's not problematic, maybe it was manufactured in machines that previously made other products that are problematic. Okay. Now, appliances. These are um, a list of questions. And that's good. That's good. I'm happy that people are asking over here. So the first question on appliances, I'm reading the question. Metal mesh in the side of an oven is clean to the best ability, but still has grease stains. Why do, how do we deal with grease stains in the oven? That's a great question. Let me give you a very important answer. Um, when it comes to the kashering of an oven, I know I mentioned it here, but it's good to know, and not everyone is bound to follow the Chabad ruling. Chabad, the Altareb, is very strict when it comes to oven. And we hold that the only way you can kasher an oven, bachlal, certainly for Pesach, is by the halachic terms, is to do libun chamur, which means a real self-cleaning oven, not this new modern ones that does nothing. It goes up to eight or 900 degrees. It's a self-cleaning oven that you know that every year when you use it, it breaks your oven down. That's a self it does. Or someone who's trained in using a blowtorch, making libun chamur, someone who understands the higher standard. If the higher standard was used, I don't care if there are grease stains, because any chametz in there is burnt out. This question is a question. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it's a question that I have no answer to. If someone is not abiding by the Alter Rebbe standard, what would they do? What would be the alternative? The alternative is, is that, listen, I never use my oven in a temperature more than 450. I never do that. My oven goes to 500. I'll put it on, on, I'll clean it, and I'll put it on on 500 for an hour. Some people hold that that's good enough. That temperature, I'm telling you right now, doesn't, will not for sure completely burn out any chametz that's in degrees. At least I ask people and they don't know that. So there's a shayla. You got yourself a problem. Or let me answer this question practically. If after, if you use the lower standard to kasher your oven and you still have grease stains, don't use it for Pesach out of doubt. Do what many of us do, which is either self-clean your oven or get someone who knows how to use a blowtorch and do the ideal way of kashering your oven for Pesach. During the year, I would not be so machmer for people that don't follow the Alter Rebbe. For Pesach, be machmer. Okay, no, number four. Wolf, wolf oven has a double glass door. Do I need to remove the door at the clean in between the glasses? The answer is no, absolutely not. No, according to Sfardim, other than cleaning the glass, you're good. We're speaking about cleaning the inside part of the glass. Clean it. Even Ashkenazim, I would not use a glass pot. The glass in the oven, you're not putting food on the glass oven. So Bechlal, it's less problematic. You kashered your oven on any standard. You cleaned it and kashered it. Now, do people on top of that even add a piece of tin foil inside their oven on the glass as a chumr? Yeah. Even people who do that, they're going beyond, beyond the letter of the law. And absolutely don't, there's no need, I never heard of such a thing. Now, do people do chumras? I'm not going to minimize anyone's chumra. But that's something that I never saw. And there's absolutely, even in the world of chumra that I know of, no one is removing glass doors of their oven. They're cleaning inside of the oven properly. Then they're doing a self-clean. And then your oven is good to go. And if you want to be machmer, machmer, put a piece of tin foil over your glass. Um, what, uh, what, when, first of all, I don't do it anymore. The few years that I attempted to do it, so you have to make it so large that the tinfoil, the heavy duty, sticks out. Right. 
which means your oven doesn't properly close, which means that your uh, food not won't be properly cooked. Bela has a Bela has a cup. Okay, I'm saying it okay. If it works, it works. Like you're saying, you don't have to do it if we self clean the oven or self cleaning. Like I state, let's take the. Cl- mine has like little like grease spots. So I'm going back. So let's take out let's take out the glass issue, grease spots. If you put self cleaning self cleaning, even though there will be stains, it's absolutely not a problem. Okay. Was worth coming. Um, I don't know. Now, halacha, uh, question number five. I have a gas stove top. What is the best way to cover it? Is foil safe? What is the best product to use? Do stove racks need to be covered with foil? Do I need to cover the splash catcher? I don't know. What is, what is a splash catcher? Backsplash? I don't know. The back. Okay. 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 So let me go out of order over here. Um, when you put a pot on a stove, you put it on a rack, right? No one puts it on the fire. On a grill. That grill had contact with chametz, no doubt. That g- grill is constantly being kashered by the fact that it's on fire. Mm-hmm. So I want to give you an example. We are very careful, biblically, not to cook meat and milk. Even though those of us who, who could afford, like in my house, there's six fires. My great-grandmother had one. <laughs> she used the same one for mochus and fleshiks. Even though when she used fleshik, some flesh spilled on it, but it's falling while it's on fire. It's constantly being burnt out. If we can afford to designate, we designate. But we're beginning with something that to begin with is not so problematic. Having said that, one second, for Pesach we want to be machmer. Fine, be machmer. <coughs> one way of being machmer is that if you have a self-clean oven, which is what I do, I take those racks or whatever you called it, whatever the name is, and I put it in the oven. So it makes sure that the, that not only does my oven get ruined when I self-clean it, but the racks get that smile. It just it speeds up the process. I would say that after every 10 years or after 15 years, you'll have to get another oven, but that's but you'll have a kosher Pesach. That's already good. One second. You don't have to do that. So other people who want to be machmer, it's a chumrah, aside of putting the fires on, which you should do, for 45 minutes, I even tell people that don't just put the fire on with the rack in its normal position. You can pick up the rack and you can move it around, getting the fire underneath more of it. That's the best that I can verbalize it. Yeah, if you see it, you'll see better what I'm saying. You are hopefully it's self-understood. But that's already a chumrah, which is nice. Do you have to cover it with tinfoil? No, you don't. But people do. I have seen that. People cover it with tinfoil. And no, tinfoil, heavy-duty tinfoil will not catch fire, at least not the one that I used in my house. Now, what is more important to cover is this backsplash. Because the rack itself is great. It's on the fire the whole time. It means even when the macaroni fell in it or the chametz, the cholent fell in it, if there's chametz in there and there's chametz, there's barley in there, it right away got burnt up. And it's constantly getting burnt up. There's no fire on the back rack. Now, the back rack, like we mentioned in the beginning, anything moist that's laying on something for 24 hours or more penetrates that thing. So I'm certain that the back rats has the taste of chametz in it. That's a problem. I don't need to kosher it because I'm not putting food on it. That is something that should be covered. That is where the tinfoil began. And by the way, that's not only on the oven itself, but on your kitchen, in the counters in your kitchen, right near the sink, around the sink, the wall behind it. So whenever you wash things out and water gets thrown, what is what are the, you know people put tiles there? There's a name for that. Backsplash. The backsplash. That's something that you have to be very careful in kashering to the best of your ability, to the best of your in the kitchen kasher it, throw hot water with the stone, and many people go beyond that and they cover it. If you really kasher it well, you're good. But that's the backsplash is a lot more problematic than the wreck. Even if it's not something that you can technically kasher, you can't technically kasher. If you cannot, kasher, ceramic depends. Oh, fine. Well, stones you could kasher, ceramic you cannot. You could iron it. <laughs> Depends what it is. And I'll tell you, I mentioned last week, Bela, that even people that have real stone, if it's tiles, which means that there is grout in between it, grout cannot be kashered. Then you have to cover it. The area in the kitchen, the whole tinfoil that we went crazy with began with that. I know that. More than because other places are kashered. And this is hard to kasher. It's even hard because of the right angle and you can't get in the corner over there. 
Um, something about the oven top. Yep. Um, when we bought our oven, I just ordered an extra set of those top grates. And so I only use them for pesos. That's great. Uh, yeah, I want to just reiterate is that Bachlal, over the years, obviously everyone has a different budget. The more items that we use in food preparation that we are able to slowly build up, or if God blesses you, you won the lottery, you don't want to go and get designated kosher Pesach. Full kitchen, part kitchen, it's better. You don't have to do that. That's a luxury of our generation. No one had that. Like most people that I know already have pots and pans that are already kosher Pesach. A hundred years ago, they kashered everything. They couldn't afford it. They didn't have it. Okay. Sinks. Does the sink need to be covered? The sink needs to be kashered. If afterwards you also want to cover it, good for you. Now, there are some sinks that cannot be kashered. Here in LA, a lot of ceramic sinks. There's a lot of sinks that inside is ceramic. There you have to make a new insert. Don't just cover something that cannot be kashered. Not by the sink. Because there's moisture the whole time. You know, it's good to repeat this rule. When I have two different utensils, two pans, if the bottom one has in it chametz, the bottom one was used for chametz, does simply putting another tray on top resolve the problem? And the answer for that is it depends. If there is no moisture in between the two utensils, that's enough. Even though it's hot. Halachically, the taste of the bottom one won't go into the top one. But if there's moisture in between these two utensils, then just because you, 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 you're putting your food on a brand new pan, if it's laying on a chametz pan and there's moisture, mamish chametz, or not kosher, or meat and milk. So the sink is where you have all the moisture. So just covering the sink, so I guess if you kosher the sink properly and you want to cover it just to make everyone crazy, you want to be machmer, no problem even though it's probably worth zero, but you feel good, you covered your sink. <laughs> if it's not kosherable, or if you don't want to kosher your sink, you don't want to kosher your sink, get an insert. Get an insert. Now get a proper insert. Sure, because it's a new sink. It's a Pesach sink. You know, I, I already shared... contact paper inside the Contact sink. paper. The problem with contact paper for me is, is that it gets, there's moisture. And the proof is, is that when you remove no, it... I contact paper and an insert. You don't know why. I don't no, don't do that. Don't do that. I, I, what I, I cash my sink because even though we have a good insert and I created the whole, like we have a whole countertop just for Pesach, custom made, and in it we put an insert so it's all brand new. Sometimes if the, if the thing gets, if the drain gets clogged, you're going to remove it. It's not the end of the world. I'm not making food, but that's why I get it. Cash it and cover it. Okay. Always Pesach. It's backed up in um, No, then you start using different foods. Don't say always. What? All right, I feel bad. But I mean, not always. Depends what food you use. But if it gets backed up, I'm not belittling what you're saying. You're saying that by you it gets backed up. I think if someone knows by them it's going to get backed up, it's better to kosher their sinks if they could. If it's kosherable. So if it's metal, stainless steel, if it's stone. So they things that are kosher are metal, stainless steel, and stone? Yep. Yeah. And not ceramics. Yeah. And not certain modern stones that are really not 100% stone. That's what I that they are a mixture. They look beautiful. They look like stone. But really, they are a composite of plastic and stone. They crush stones and they crush. And some of the materials that are used for these fancy sinks are not kosherable which means that the taste of chametz that's in it cannot be fully purged from it. They get an insert. It's almost like having a kosher Pesach kitchen. Okay. Next, dishes. If you haven't used a pot or dishes for over a year, that was then many, like over a year used for chametz, can you use it now for Pesach? Number two, does it require a new tevila in the mikvah? So let me go out of the order. It does not require a new tevila. Toivil and kalim, and kasher and kalim are two different laws. If something was owned by a non-Jew and then you bought it, you have to toivel it. If it was made by a Jew and you bought it, you don't have to toivel it. And if you owned it the whole time, you don't have to toivel it. The concept of something not being used for a year is a hetter that when we, we rely on it, when there is a need. The biggest example, the most common thing is, is that there are so many people that are becoming more observant. So many people today. And their grandparents were not that observant. And they have, from their family, sometimes either sentimentally, they have my grandmother's 
ceramic, beautiful uh, China. China set, or sometimes they're very valuable. doesn't have to be only sentimental. Sometimes people have real expensive stuff. And there's a concept <coughs> called Baltashkes. And ceramic, China cannot be kashered. So here's where we say that since it was not used for a whole year, you're good. Well, people use it on Pesach. Theoretically, they could, but I would say many people. You're machbren in other areas so much. You're getting kosher le Pesach milk. This is more problematic. But again, every case is a case. If someone has from their grandmother China for Pesach, you cannot tell a person that they can't use it. It's not a black and white. Actually, you can tell a person that since it was not used for a full year, the taste in it is nullified. You have a leg to stand on. The people that I know, they use that for the rest of the year. They won't use that for Pesach. But I'm saying these are just different levels of chumnas. Okay. Uh, eight. Are, are palm leaf and bamboo plates and cutlery okay to use on Pesach? That was my question. Very good. So I'll say like this. Theoretically, why not? Of course it's okay. Because palm is not chametz, wood is not chametz, and bamboo is not chametz. Now, if you know, I didn't have a chance to speak before the class, I can inquire, is there a possibility that the manufacturing plant glazes it with something chametz dick? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt whether that will be considered halachic chametz. If you have a reason to be concerned, I can look into it further. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I don't have dishes for Pesach. It's too expensive, so I use paper and plastic. But I, I like the bamboo and the palm leaf better. Beautiful. So I sure, use, sure use it. Uh, why not? I remember, I guess, many years ago, people began to claim in the very inexpensive paper plates, the very thin ones, that, that since they would stick one to the other, they would put starch. And even if it's starch, that starch is not considered kidneys, that starch is not chametz, it's mamashlan. They made a big thing out of nothing. It just didn't make sense. I'm not saying that there could be, like like many people are very health conscious, and as the world gets along in, in expensive products, could be they put real food, you know, there's no derivatives and there's no poisons, could be. I'm not saying that such a thing is never going to be problematic. I never heard, unless you heard otherwise, you can say, what are you talking about? You're getting a... a a palm plate. God said, don't eat chametz. Not yet. I'm assuming it's nicer than the, than the plastic ones. Okay, done. Kashering non-food related items. Do we need a separate set of candlesticks? Or is it enough to clean and polish the candlesticks and put a fresh tray? The answer is, absolutely that's enough. Kashering is a chumrah. The most important thing is cleaning it. I would say the next step beyond that, cleaning it well, is that since it was on the table with chametz, you know, every candlestick is different. Like some people, they have weighted, I know a little bit of the world of silver, but silver is expensive, so they want you to think that it's mamish silver. So what do they do? It's silver, not plated, it's silver, but very thin silver, and then they put a weight in there. They put lead in there. So when you pick it up, it feels like, wow, you got yourself a candlestick. Now, you have to see what's going on over there. It means if there are two parts that are connected to each other and there's crevices and there's a chance that crumbs got in there, then I would say you have to cover it. If it's flat in the bottom, cleaning it is definitely going to be enough. Step beyond that would be to put tin foil on the bottom of it, which is not the end of the world. Even though you're putting it on a new tray. I mean, chumrah. And the best will be tekasher it, which is not needed, which is a chumrah. But minimally to clean it, and if you have crevices or parts, then cleaning it was not going to be enough. You have to cover it, besides using a new tray, because it was mamish sitting on crumbs, and yet, like we mentioned last week, you should be putting it on your table, and why, why would you get that close to chametz? Okay, next question. What if you're going away for Pesach, but will be, driving, but will be within driving distance, and perhaps we'll have to come into the house on Cholomoy to get things? Is that possible? How does that work with selling the house? Very good question, very important. Many people travel. Just to make it clear, when you sell your chametz, you're not selling your house. You're selling the chametz. You're selling the chametz, even though even the chametz that's absorbed in your pots, you're not selling your pots. If you would sell your chametz like a pots to a guy we just mentioned, what would you have to do after Pesach? Toivel it. You're not selling anything other than the chametz itself, and you are renting to the goy, the part of the house upon which is the chametz. Ideally, 
the closets, I, in other words, it's ideal for us to put the chametz in designated areas. But even if you didn't do that, all the chametz in your house is sold. Your house is not sold. Now, when a person is traveling, so they don't have the challenge of doing the normal Pesach cleaning in their home, like we mentioned last week, if you get to your destination the night prior to Pesach, that's the best case scenario. If you're, the night before Pesach, a person is still going to be home driving distance, they have to make Medikas Chametz in their home. For that, they only have to clean out, like over here, clean out a corner, take down part of the living room. It's all you need to do. Make sure there's no Danishes, the real basic Chametz. Make sure there's no Chametz. You want to do the minute, put out the 10 pieces of bread. In, and then look for it and burn that the next day. Then you sold the house. You didn't sell the house. You sold all the Chametz in your house. Which means that if some family member is going to enter the house, they're not entering a non-Jewish house. They're entering their house. Much of it was rented to the Goy. But you going into a place that's not yours is not problematic if you, if you leave things the way they are. You're not taking the Chametz. It means if I sell my house and I go away and I come back in there and I choose to take a bottle of beer, God forbid, I'm stealing from the guy. It's like I intruded in someone else's property. If I'm going there to get a document or to get a garment or even to use my washing machine, nothing wrong. There is a however. What's the however? I eat comments the whole year. A person feels at home at home. At least we should all hopefully feel at home at home. When a person feels at home, they let the guard down. Being that I didn't clean my house, if I'm the one traveling, I'm going to come back. If I'm not going to be mindful like almost like it's Pesach, like that, 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 the question is the best thing. The question is, can I even enter? Okay, you can enter, but you have to have a certain hesitation because if you're going to say, even though I didn't do any Pesach cleaning and I went away to, uh, to a Pesach program and I'm coming back for work and I have an hour off and I want to go lay down in my bed, you're allowed to do that. But there's a precaution. Who says that you're going to get into a deep sleep because in these programs, who says you're sleeping? And you're going to wake up, and in a moment, even people young like us, sometimes you wake up and you don't remember who you are, where you are, what day it is. And at that moment, it's your house. You might end up eating chametz. I know it's a stretch. Yeah, you might take a mug or a glass for water. That's what I meant. Right. And maybe that mug wasn't properly cleaned. Right. In other words, that, that's the issue. That issue does not say you cannot enter your home. That issue says, enter your home with precaution. Chamed zone. Right. Try to hang out the minimum possible. I can't even say you can, you can even lay down there. But there has to be a certain amount of... One second. This is not... I didn't, I didn't clean the house for Pesach. I didn't do this. So, you know, every, every person should make their own judgment. But just to enter the house to get a piece of uh, garment, or even to enter the house just to do laundry... I would say before Pesach, make sure there's no chametz in the laundry. And if a person knows, or if you know that you might be coming for your bedroom, look for chametz. I'm not saying go crazy Pesach cleaning. Make the real Pesach cleaning. Make sure there's no chametz there, if people know that beforehand. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you have, like, you have a gardener coming here, like, every year comes the same day, yep. you know, Thursday, and now it's Pesach. Do you have Absolutely no problem. Unlike food, which is much more problematic, mechal for Shabbos, if a guy makes food, any job that from, I'm the owner, for me it makes no difference whether he comes Shabbos or Sunday or Tuesday, there's no problem if he comes on his chosen day. If I were to tell him I need for you to come on Thursday, when it's Shantiv, now you got yourself a problem. So leave things the way they are. Okay, question 11 over here. I have small kids, no Baruch Hashem, and there's chametz everywhere. Everywhere is big cats. Everywhere. <laughs> can, you know, can you review how to approach cleaning? Does literally every shelf, closet, drawer, plastic bin, etc., need to be cleaned? Yes, but hold on. Yes, meaning like this: that many. Let me go with toys. I know by I just don't feel sorry. That that you know when the kids were young, yeah. My our presumption is that there's going to be chametz by the toys. So two weeks before Pesach, we asked the kids. What toys do you want to use over Pesach? Give you an example. And those were the toys that were Pesach cleaned. And they have to be Pesach, mamish. And, and that's mamish chametz. I'm talking about you're finding candy, you're finding uh, visli, yeah, you're finding chair. That's mamish, that's, that's the Pesach cleaning. And, and many closets were left closed. The toys are left closed. It's like part of the chametz. If it was not cleaned, it's chametz. And yeah, and you go into the drawers 100% and under the beds and that kids get chametz everywhere. 
you can just isolate areas by not going in there instead of being overburdened. Or some people, if they have the help and they have the time, and anyway, some people like to once a year clean the house. If it works for you, make a good spring cleaning and clean everything up. But uh, don't forget that we have the option of not cleaning a certain area and not going there on Pesach. And uh, let me just add to what we said before. Let's say you did that. And you took a whole closet in the kids' room and you said, listen, I'm, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy. It's, it, but then you forgot a pair of socks in there. There's nothing wrong with you, the adult, going in there and getting out the socks. You did not sell the socks, you did not sell the cloth. You sold all of the comments that might be in there and you rented out the location. So you're going into a place that's halakhically rented out to get something that belongs to you. I'm allowed to do that. So I'm allowed to do that. Like if you own a house, just think about it, that happens the whole time, Airbnb. If you own a house and you rented it out, but you left something that belongs to you, you're going to give the guy a, a heads up. You don't even have to give a heads up because the guy is not living there. You're only going to get what's yours. And be careful if you're getting a pair of socks. Make sure there's no Cheerios in the socks. And if it's there, it's not yours. Just make sure you don't take it into the house. Okay. Furniture. Um, our wooden dining table has lots of crevices. Does covering it with a plastic tablecloth under the Pesach suffice? Answer is yes. But I want to acknowledge that crevices in a, in a dining room table, like by me, like this table that we're here in the house, that it's very, very beautiful. It's, it's flat. I have an older table and there are crevices. I begin with the premise that there might be chametz there. Now this chametz, I sold to the guy. I made hefker. If it doesn't make its way into my plate, it's no problem. No problem. What you think, I have a wooden floor. You think there's no chametz here? I'm sure there is. It's not a problem. We said that last week. Because you nullified it, you sold your chametz to the guy. It only becomes a problem if you eat it. So when you cover the table, what I do for Pesach is, is that I tape it. Because I have a cleaning lady. And what's going to stop her during Pesach removing the plastic? Nothing. And then it could be that she'll get a drop of chametz out. It's on a cloth. The cloth is a kosher of Pesach. She'll bring it back into the kitchen. Like I'm just, it's common sense. If you cover it with the plastic, it's absolutely enough. Make sure the plastic stays on it for the whole Pesach. You made us, yeah? I just remember a couple of years ago, Dan was decided he didn't want me covering the table in aluminum oil. <laughs> for the same reason, you know, you don't told him know. if she's been doing it for that long, just keep doing it. Okay. Okay, but I'm saying, but people use plastic. Plastic is just as good. Yeah, I'm just saying, I was thinking about that. Like, what uh, do you mean plastic, like plastic tablecloth? Huh? Instead of a she had, no, she, whoever asked this question, obviously, she, she uses a nice Pesach Dikka tablecloth, but what she puts in between that and the table is a plastic. 100% okay. You have no other option. What are you going to notice? If cashing the table won't help, if there's crevices, I know what it means. I have a table with, with crevices. It's a beautiful wooden table. But if anyone ever ate chametz on it, which for sure happened, some crumbs are in there somewhere. That's what I meant. A cover. Pad. So have a kosher of pesach pad, and you don't have to, and you don't even have to do that because the pad has a as a as a um, plastic, plastic top. You can just wipe it down. Yeah, I'll take it back. You don't have to. Some people, Amach, you don't have to. I would just say like this: that if you're not going to cover, that's what I. If you're not going to cover the table, then if you every every house is different. Like some people run their homes, and some people delegate it to other people. If you're going to delegate some parts of the cleaning to a cleaning lady or to other people, they might take off the pads to clean it. And again, if there's chametz, I would be uh, not comfortable because then that chametz, it's on my table and they're using the material that they're going to put into my sink. So I would cover it. You know what I'm saying? I use plastic. We use plastic, but we tape it. So like this, no one is going to untape it. Plastic, you mean plastic tablecloth? I have thick tablecloth. I have thick oh, plastic, okay. I get. Yeah. Just for me, you can be thin. doesn't matter. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't like ripping in the middle of Pesach. I put it there, also with tinfoil. I don't use that much tinfoil. I don't like the ripping. You get tinfoil, get the heavy-duty tinfoil. I like putting it before Pesach, wherever you want to put it, and you don't have to deal with it. Sure. We had um, plastic drawers, you know, like the bins. Sure. was in our pantry, in our house, and now we moved. They're just sitting in the kitchen for now. So they're, it's like stackable. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Right. Filled with, like, food. Yeah. 
so I mean ideally we're going to try and put it somewhere in like a, a storage because it, it shouldn't even be there if you, even co- if if you, co- if you cover it again it, it, listen I happen to know your kids you have tzaddikim but if your kids <laughs> would have been I don't know animals chayas then who says covering will be enough? Like, you have to know, like, if covering it, some families, if you cover it, the kids will dafka go in there. Right, right, right. My mom covered it, I'm going to show who's the boss. Like, I don't know, like, I, <laughs> I'm going in there. Okay. And, and the problem is, if they're young, the problem is not that they're going to eat it, which halavai they don't. The problem is much worse. Then they make a mess, they bring hummus you don't even right, know about. Right. Now, which is, by the way, connected. For, for kids, plastic dining room table. Can a Torah be clean, or does it also need to be covered with something? You have to clean it and cover it. Again, I, I, plastic, you can't cash out the plastic. Kids are using it the whole time. Theoretically, theoretically, if your mamash clean it well, and it's dry, and you only use it for things that are dry, I don't know if that's shy for kids. I, just, I, I, would, I would not do it. I, I know, I'm stomach. I'm going to answer the question. Theoretically, you don't have to do it. Practically, I would never be comfortable eating there if it's not covered. After cleaning it, because it could be there was chametz on it, there was macaroni and cheese laying on it for a long time. And then on Pesach, some matzah bra is laying on it for a long time. You got yourself a real problem. And if it's covered, it's covered. So, Rabbi, I have a question. Let's see, we're in the pantry. We have a lot of stuff in it. And yeah. we don't have what to put it. So, leave it there. Sell so the pantry. What about if you raise it all to two shots on the top? Cover it up. 100% okay. 100% okay. 100 doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because you don't, you're not putting bread. Even if bread, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's covered. You're going to remember. That's what the halakha is. You tape it. So you don't have, like you cover the whole thing. Mamish, 100% kosher. Even if there's chametz. According to the Al-Tarebbe, we sell chametz. We sell chametz because this document that we make is mamish a document. There are other Jewish communities who have a different text in their document of sale, and they don't sell chametz. They they get rid of it. They throw it in the garbage. They don't yeah, yeah. allow themselves. They, don't they, don't they never kept it. You see? Yeah. We mamish keep chametz because we. I mean, I know. Yeah, I know. You have to know these laws. It's mamish. It's mamish, not yours. The problem is, is that it's in your home. And the solution for that is, is that if it's properly isolated, you will not take it. Mamish okay. Mamish okay. Mamish, mamish okay. Make sure you sell your chametz if you're a Lubavitcher of. When you live in Arizona and you have a huge house, <laughs> you can put, you have plenty of space Got it. To put Got it. But when you come to LA, you have to shrink. There's no place to put stuff. Mamish. Okay. So this will figure that out. Same thing with the freezer. You take two shelves. You can do that. You can do that. Yeah. If you have no option, yeah. About yeah. medications, okay. I have you know, a cabinet where I keep all the medications. Every year when I pack stuff up, I can never find it again. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really okay, okay. stuff. So can I just take that stuff up and put once, like what she's saying, put one section, that's the... I would do that, definitely. In other words, I guess you don't disorder your order, <laughs> but put a cover, put a, put a zecher. Put a box and close... So, I don't want to put a box. I would put I would put something, even an X. It's not food. It's okay. it's something that even if you're tired and you forget for a moment, the middle of the night, you open up your thing. That will remind you that is not for Pesach. Because there's a lot of medications that have cornstarch. I know. I know. I know. Advil is Let me check on their on their site. I'll check up. I want to check that. Advil. As far as I know. I think Advil is good because Advil is so poison. See, the bigger the poison, the more kosher. And there's a difference between the gel and not gel and all of Gel them. is even more poison gel because gel works. gets absorbed in your body Faster. better. Like, where they kill you. But if you don't taste it, you just swallow. Okay, okay, okay. For the med- medications, I mean, we're not talking about this right now. We can talk about this uh, next week. But the medications, in most cases, are not as problematic as people make it. It's by the very fact that you're not eating it in the usual manner. It's in a capsule. Makes it a lot less problematic. Let me begin with that. Compounded with, if a person really needs it, which is some of our medications, then it's even less problematic. On the other hand, some medications are A, not needed that much by that person. And number two, there might be real chametz in there. And that's why it's preferable to look at the list before Pesach, like is Advil good or not? Because many people that I know take Advil even though they don't really, really need it. And if they would know what the Advil does to them, they wouldn't take it. 
but it becomes like a minig. Because of Advil, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying Advil. Advil and antibiotics, I'm saying, there are many, all the, all the Western medications, they're very good if you really, really need it. If you don't really, they do damage also, so. If there's a problem, I'm guessing now, it's kidneys. But I can find out. If you have a specific product, because of my relationship with Robin Nathanson, I'm saying, okay. we're living in a world right now that you can mamish find out, and these people are experts. They know the levels, and therefore, like, if it's a kidneys issue, for Sfardim, it's a non-issue. Even if it's a kidneys, even for an Ashkenazi, if the person is sick, they can have kidneys. Or children can have kidneys, like all of the babies that are having soy formula, for example. That age, there's no minig, there's no reason why not to have it. There's absolutely no problem. Cleaning the bottles in your sink can become problematic. So make another sink just for the bottles. Yeah. Rabbi Schusterman said last Wednesday oh. that if it is coming with a medication, any medication that you really need it, every day, you have to have it every day. You gotta take it. If it is chametz, if it is not chametz, if it is kidneys, whatever it is, you take it. Take it. But let me just reframe that. Just one detail, one detail. The reason why Rabbi Shustam said so correctly so, because even and and the and the medication is bread. No rabbi would be able to make a blanket statement. If you have to have bread every day for your illness, have bread on Pesach. You can't say that. So just to know, that's what I said. That medication to begin with is already less problematic. It's not zero problem. It's less. So this compounded with you taking it every day, you take it. Unless the doctor says you really have to have this, like vitamin D, you have to have So it let me, let me, let me humbly, first of all, I'm not going against Rabbi Shusterman, but I can say like this, that when COVID came out, right. all of the Rabbanim, all of them, all of them put out to take vitamin D and to take the vitamin C and to take all of the vitamins that we know now were helpful. Um, I know that many people, by us, see, there's a difference of age. Older people, at least the people in the religious world give very little credence to nutritionists and to other forms of healing and they're very gung-ho on the Western medication. And I can just say that if you have a person that is in their 20s and their 30s and consistent to the way they approach medicine, they stay away from Western medicine. And they, they very much view their nutritionist like a doctor then I would just frame it different. If their nutritionist is telling them that they have a that have vitamin D or have vitamin C, uh, I would not say not to take it. I would not make that statement. Having said that, there are so many vitamin Ds that have on it kosher lepesach. Vitamin C is like, why not now make the effort and get something that you know doesn't even have kidneys? These things could be addressed now. They could be addressed now. I know by medications, all the medications for real illnesses, if, if it's kidneys, there's no chametz in there. No chametz. And penicillin, there's no chametz. So sometimes they mix it with corn, they mix it with kidneys. But if a person is sick, they're taking it. The fact that you're taking it every day, you have to take it. You're mukhoif to take it. Listen, that, that Rabbi Shustam is saying it because you don't know how many religious people get into real trouble over Pesach. Right. Because they want to be machmer and they have to be told, no, you're not allowed to do that. Take your medication. I'm just adding that if a person is abiding by a certain lifestyle and and they, they're, they're not eating meat, not, not, they're supplementing they cut out bread, they cut out grain. Grain is very important according to the Torah, but they cut that out. How are they surviving? Because they're taking this pill and that pill and the other pill. I wouldn't cut out those pills so quick. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. I would follow. I know, I know nutritionists here that heal people in our community in things that doctors cannot, cannot heal them or did not yeah. heal them. Well, they, the doctors give you something that gives you something worse than it was saying, that you have. I know people, I'm saying people by us that they have issues with blood pressure and it was resolved through... through, through all of these supplements, I think it's very important. You can't, that person is not taking medication. That's what they're taking. I'm just saying, I'm not contradicting anything Rabbi Shusterman said. I'm just adding another dimension that there are some people that they interact with all of these supplements and for them, it's effective, mamish-like Advil. Yeah.
Some people don't take Advil. Other people, they don't take Advil. And they're, they, they figure out how to take other supplements. Who says that's healthy? But let's go with it. That's healthy. If it works for them, then if you can take Advil, you can take that. Well, they, they have to ask around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 100%. I'm just in general. Correct, correct. I know that for for that generation of Rabbi Shusterman, the way they view all of these supplements is like it's a it's a it's a scam. It's a scam. All of these vitamins are a scam, and could be they're partially right, could be they're fully right. I don't know. I don't have an opinion. I'm just bringing out that some people that I know they really that is their doctor. Uh, on this nutritionist thing, I go to a nutritionist, and she has me having a raw juice every day. Um, so I have to buy a new. Juicer? I don't know if you have to buy. Do you put chametz in there? It could be. But you wash it with the chametz. I wash it in my sink, but I don't. I, it's not like I wash. I throw it in when there's. You know, what about the sponge? She I don't use a sponge. I just, oh. I just rinse it. Hmm. Do, I Do you rinse it with hot water or with cold water? Not hot. No, because it's plastic. I don't like to put hot water on plastic. Does your maid clean it on occasion? Never. Based on what you're telling me, you don't have to kosher it. Having said that. If you have a few extra dollars to spend, the first place to be machmer is in things like this. Because uh, food is in there and because it's used during the year in the same kitchen with chametz. It's just a priority. Much less problematic. Much le- I don't know if nutritionally ask your nutritionist. I heard from some nutritionists that that after 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 a certain amount of time, yeah. it's worth it's worth nothing. Here we go. I'm learning new things. Now. Thank you. So they freeze it. Okay, could be, could be. Bela, if if if. So then if. Okay, okay, if if. Okay, if that's a solution, that's a great solution. That's the best solution. I like that. Yeah. And also, it's not. Before, so I'm saying before Pesach. That's what I'm saying. If she does before Pesach, you have no problem. Because if there is, a, what's the fear that maybe there might be some taste of all of that is still nullified before Pesach, and you can even eat it on Pesach because it's already halachically nullified. Now, if some of that got mixed on Pesach, that's where by Pesach we say. Nothing so that's how people who cook before Many Pesach people who say don't peel, they, they, they peel only on Pesach. But before Pesach, even though they're going to be eating it on Pesach, they're not going to peel. Because, because the what's the fear? That there might be a small minute amount of something on the peel. That, that, that if, even if oh, it's a very small amount. It's only relevant. And, and, and it's nullified if it was made before Pesach. Mentioned by milk, not exactly, but you're right. We can close that. That the same issue we spoke with the milk is with the is with the eggs. In other words, if a chicken ate grain on Pesach, it's not as bad as the milk. That's where we're more concerned with whatever comes out of the chicken. All right, Eden, that was great. I thank you for the questions. And next week, this is.